Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we have an interesting guest. His name's Ben Walker, and he started a transcription company called Transcription Outsourcing. And he pretty much provides user-friendly and cost-effective transcription services for like the medical, legal, and law enforcement, academic, and financial industries for organizations all across the world. Um, he's sought after as a thought leader, and he's made contributions in multiple different uh, publications. And right now we have him as a guest. Uh, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself, Ben? Hi, Leonard. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, like you met, like you mentioned, um, I started a transcription company about seven and a half years ago. Um, we originally started as a medical transcription company, and then started branching off to the other industries, like you mentioned, uh, into law enforcement, legal financial and academic. We're located in Denver. We have employees across the country as well as independent contractors scattered all over the U.S. Nice. So what made you get into transcriptions? Oh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago when I was kind of in between. I didn't know if I wanted to stay in the banking industry. I started researching the fields that would be good for the next 30 to 40 years and healthcare was the top one on my list after doing some research. Hmm. I had trouble getting a pharmaceutical job or a device sales job that pushed me into thinking a little outside the box. And I started a medical transcription company with a couple other business partners so almost 11 years ago. Nice. So most people, they're like, you know what, you should go out there and follow your passion. And I don't know if transcriptions are your passion, is it? Um, to be honest with you, no. I don't even do the transcription. <laughs> um, that's kind of a weird thing to say to people, I think, um, because I can be passionate about pretty much anything I get into. And I think anybody can. It's... I don't know. I think that's odd to say to someone because not everyone's so sure about what they really want to do or what they could be passionate about or what they could be passionate about may not lead into a career that can pay the rent and, and put a roof over your head and food on the table. Yeah, I see that all the time. A lot of people want to go out there and follow their passions, but sometimes their passions just don't pay. And other times you have to do something that's logical and, um, calculated as opposed to really just going out there and follow what the heart actually wants. Um, so, I mean, for you to go out there and do something that you're not really passionate about, like what kind of tips do you have for people who want to go out there and try something like that? Because, I mean, it, it has to kind of maybe be discouraging at times when you're not passionate about it and uh, you fall upon like rocky roads and stuff, right? Yes and no. Um I guess what I, I'm trying to articulate would be I've had, you know, 15 jobs since I was 14, somewhere in that mm -hmm. neighborhood. And That's I was so lot. scared of getting fired from all of them that I did my job as best I could and tried to make it better. Hmm. 
it didn't matter what I did. I've worked in a warehouse, stocking shelves, uh, sending out FedEx and UPS packages. I've done landscaping. Uh, I worked in another warehouse that sold used clothing all over the world and dealt with clients and dealt with some of the people that worked in the warehouse floor. And I did them all to the best of my ability. I never got fired. I always had good performance reviews. It was more of me not wanting to get fired because I was scared. <laughs> and I, I liked it. It was a challenge making my job, whatever I was doing, better and more efficient. Yeah. So it's not that I don't like transcription because I do like it and we're providing a very good service for our clients and we're helping them with their job. So customer service is mainly the passion I take into this is helping our customers get what they want from us cost effectively and timely. And I am a stickler for customer service. So do you think that um, drive to not get fired at your 15 jobs is the same kind of drive that you have now, making sure that you're able to perform above and beyond for your clients so they don't um, use a different transcription provider? Yes, that's exactly it. And I didn't realize it until a couple of years ago, but yeah, you're right. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of surprising like how just characteristic traits just carry their way all the way through, right? Yeah, and it like it it does that for some people and others not. But I I've, I've always been worried about losing my job, but I at the same time I like the challenge of making it more efficient and uh-huh. growing whatever it is I'm doing. So, I think one of the key things here is really making things a lot more efficient. Like, what are some of the things that you do to, like, streamline and make the process better? Because I see a lot of people going out there and they try to take on everything themselves. Then they get overwhelmed and they get stuck. But then there's got to be an easier way to, like, streamline the process. Like, do you have, like, a philosophy that you go through when you go and build your business to really go, how can I make this better? Yes and no. Some of it is flying by the seat of my pants. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, the first business that I started, uh, you know, 11 years ago was with three partners. And then I broke off from them and went on my own seven and a half years ago. And I'd never done that before. So that was the flying by the seat of my pants thing. Hmm. I learned what I was good at and what I wasn't good at, what I liked and what I didn't like. And I, uh, some of the things I don't like doing are payroll or daily accounting. Oh, yeah. So I've outsourced those. We use Gusto for payroll. I have an accountant that comes to my office a few times a month and that we email back and forth. And he does all the bank recs and credit card recs, invoicing, all the reporting, spreadsheets. I can do it. I'm just not as quick as he is. Yeah. My time is better spent problem solving what we're doing in our office with marketing, sales, and the accounting piece, the payroll piece, our transcription workflows changing all the time. We have new independent contractors coming and going. We actually work with two different teams in India also, so I deal with the owners of those companies. 
and I leave things that I don't know how to do as well to the people in my office, and then we outsource some of it, like accounting. Nice. So basically what you do is you focus on what you do best. You bring on a team around you that focuses on what they do best, and you outsource the rest. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to do it, especially if you want to really grow something. Um, I mean, if you've been doing this for about seven years on your own, you've probably grown to uh, make your business pretty significant, right? It's up and down. It could always be better. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Because we're learning new things, and and the industry changing uh, has changed quite a bit in the past 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the medical industry with technology coming in. Doctors were paper-based you know, up until about eight years ago. It was pretty much all paper. Yeah. And now most of it is digital. So do you guys help with moving those paper records to digital? Um, some of our clients will still use the traditional system where their doctors will call in and dictate on an 800 number or use an iPhone app. Uh-huh. And we'll transcribe like we always have. And then they will copy and paste from our online platform to their electronic medical record system. Oh. And we also type directly into some facilities' electronic medical record systems for them. So they'll call in or use the iPhone app, mm-hmm. and we'll listen to that with our headphones and log in remotely to their electronic medical record system and type right in there for them so the doctor can spend more time with their patients and less time behind the screen than typing. That makes sense. Yeah, it seems like, uh, I mean, the medical world's got a ton of papers and a ton of doctors who don't want to touch any papers and they're getting like all situated with the new technology and everything and there's a big shift there and I don't think a lot of them like it. (laughs) Well, they don't because they didn't go to medical school to sit behind a computer. Yeah, that's true. They, you know, they like helping people and Mm -hmm. they feel like they can't help if they're sitting behind a computer as opposed to, you know, touching and feeling and talking and listening with a patient. Yeah, it's kind of like outside of their realm of work. Yeah, it's just much different workflow for them now. Yeah, it's kind of like me or you trying to do payroll. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, um... What what kind of results have your clients been seeing? Like, um, is it like the ease of use or? Um, or something similar it, to that? It was it's extremely easy to use having the ability to call an eight hundred eight hundred number or the iPhone app mm-hmm. makes it mobile, so they can do it from anywhere. They, we can also get files digitally uploaded through a secure web platform. Uh-huh. So if they have their own recording equipment, like courthouses have their own equipment, a lot of universities have their own equipment, or law enforcement agencies, 
they'll drag and drop into our platform. Cool. And then we take it from there and type it on their letterhead in their format because everybody has something different. Courthouses that could be across the street from each other have different formats. It's crazy. Um, wow, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's sometimes I do, I don't know what they're doing, but it works <laughs> for them. So we accommodate. <laughs> cool. And what do you guys like charge for your services? It depends on the turnaround time and the number of speakers. Uh huh. So, like for instance, we got a file from a law firm on Tuesday afternoon, and they needed needed it by this morning. And it had six speakers in it, so that's 48-hour turnaround time with six speakers. I think we charged them $5 a minute. Uh-huh. Something with six speakers takes us longer than something with two speakers. Oh, yeah, because had, there's six different people. <laughs> yeah, and they'll want us to identify all six. We can't just put one, two, three, or speaker, speaker, speaker. It has to be Sarah, Bill, Jane. Tom, and we have to know who each person is. Wow. That sounds pretty stressful. <laughs> well, and, and so it's easy to use, but it also saves significant time. So if you are a detective with the Denver Police Department and you have a four-speaker file, it's going to take him anywhere between 10 and 15 times longer than the recording. So if it's a one-hour file, it's going to take him between 10 and 15 hours to type it himself. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I tried um, typing up a transcription once for a phone call that I had with someone, and she talked so fast. I had to click repeat like 20 times every single like 10 seconds. It was insane. Then I kind of gave up on it, and I gave someone else the task to do, and it took her a week. Yeah, and that same one-hour file from that detective will take us maybe four hours. Huh. So we'll, we could have it done potentially the same day for them if they needed it, you know, to execute a search warrant or something. Yeah. So it's ease of use, timeliness, and your cost-benefit of time. So that detective's time is better spent working on his cases. Otherwise, he gets behind and the cases get behind and they're paying him his hourly rate, which could be $40 an hour or whatever he gets to transcribe. If we charged him even $10 a minute, it would be $600, which would be less than the 10 hours he's spending or 15 hours he's spending typing. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, in regards to like other services out there, like Rev and other things, like um, how do you think your company like compares to them? I would consider us more of a premium transcription service. Rev is significantly cheaper than us, mm-hmm. and they have people all over the world. Now we have a couple teams of Indians also, but they don't type our law enforcement or legal for academic transcription. They only type medical for us. Yeah. Which are single speaker files. It's one doctor speaking going through a medical chart. Yep. Um, Rev has, like I said, people all over the world. Their quality isn't the same as ours. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you get what you pay for. They That's charge a dollar a minute. Our cheapest is a dollar fifty a minute. Uh, I I I've hired Rev independent contractors before, and I know how much they pay them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we pay our people twice as much. So basically, you're and, getting twice the quality from the output because your um, people are getting paid more. I, I mean, yes. And long story short, yes. We guarantee 99% accuracy. Nice. That's pretty Even awesome. Even on those four-speaker files. Cool. Um, well, we're going to have to hop to a commercial break right now, and we'll be back shortly. Uh, my name's Leonard, and you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Is there somewhere that you can find you online, Ben? Uh, yeah, my Twitter is Benjamin K. Walker. Perfect. And we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel channel hear the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here, and we're here with Ben Walker. If you tuned into the first portion of the segment, you really got an outline of how that transcription industry works, um, what kind of quality that Ben uh, is able to provide with his services. But in this segment, what we're really going to do is get into more of his personal life. Uh, ben, why don't you start off by like describing kind of like how you grew up and everything. Okay, that sounds good, Leonard. Cool. I grew, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. I am one of five children. My parents still live in the same house. That's kind of what they do in the Midwest. <laughs> they buy a house and they stay there till they can't live there anymore. Hmm. Um, I went to a small Catholic school for nine years. Then I went to an all-boys Jesuit school. And then 
ended up at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, I grew up playing tennis. That was the sport that I did for a while. It was seven days a week and traveling all over the country. Um, yeah, there's, I, I got into a lot of trouble in high school, probably not the best path, but I did okay. <laughs> so, what else? For, go ahead. For this, you got to like travel all across the world, uh, all across the country. Um, that must have been pretty interesting. You want to talk more about that? Yeah, it was. We got to see different parts of the Midwest and country that I would have never seen had I not played tennis. Um, I got to play in a couple junior national tournaments as a kid and some tournaments that had international players as a junior. And I remember playing a kid from Thailand that didn't speak any English, so we couldn't even talk to each other. We were 14 uh, years old. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Um, he beat me pretty bad, and he... He was still nice about it, even though we couldn't talk to each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to spend a couple of weeks in Florida, a few different summers at, at tennis camps, again, with international players and coaches. We had coaches from Europe, a few from Asia. It was, I would not trade that for anything. Yeah, that must have been pretty awesome to go and travel the whole U.S. like at such a young age. It was. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't appreciate it as much as I would now because I was young and just having fun playing tennis all over the place. Mm-hmm. We were uh, extremely competitive. You know, I had the same coach and he drove us to a lot of places. And, you know, there'd be six or seven kids. And, you know, we were more there for business, you know, the business of tennis and winning. Even though we were young, we were really competitive. Yeah. It was fun. I just didn't, you know, get to see the cities like you would if you were, you know, kind of going there for fun or for uh, vacation or something. Yeah, I I mean, you you can still kind of see a little bit at least, especially when you're going around, but you don't get the full experience, especially when it's a birth environment. Yeah, and like I said, we were young and and kind of immature, not really paying attention to the cool places we were. (laughs) Yeah. So you mentioned getting in trouble a lot as a kid. Like, how did you end up in trouble? Um, I had major problems with authority. I was always questioning authority and kind of doing the opposite of what they suggested we do. So like your teachers and everyone? Yeah, the teachers, the administrators, um, my coaches. Yeah, I just kind of did my own thing and then usually learned the hard way. Yeah, I think I kind of had the same kind of troubles growing up. Like, at first, it was me listening to my teachers and everything. And then all of a sudden, like, when my grandpa started getting, like, Alzheimer's and 
um, after he passed away, like, I, I just didn't want to deal with authority anymore. And I kind of, like, flipped and changed and um, started acting like a completely different person. Did you have an event like that? Or was it more just um, you just didn't want to uh, have authority figures, like, pretty much dictate what you were doing? Yeah, I didn't like being told what to do. <laughs> I don't think anyone really does. <laughs> yeah, so I would just tell him no, or I would do it a different way. Or just not do it at all. Yeah. Cool. I, um, I, you know, I was always questioning things, like, why would I do it that way? Why can't I do it this way? And instead mm-hmm. of explaining why, they would just say, do as I say, and I would just shut down and turn off and then go do something else. That sounds like my mom and my grandma. They're like, just do what I say. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you why. And it's like, don't you have to explain why not to do something? And... I think the part where they don't actually explain what the reason is behind it is what um, makes people, like, really go out there and rebel and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I know it was disrespectful to ask, but I didn't, you know, I was probably too young to realize I was being disrespectful. Yeah, but I think it's more... I don't know if it's really disrespectful per se but then them taking that educational approach and walking you through how life really works I think that's just something that people just really need to do I agree 100% yeah they could have been a little more gentle about it and said well okay we mow the lawn like this because it's more efficient and you can go faster instead of just go mow the lawn yeah well, I don't want to do that for two hours I'd rather play Nintendo yeah, <laughs> and if it's explained that way, it's like, oh, you could save 30 minutes from doing this? Yeah, I could go back to Nintendo that much quicker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess I was curious more than anything. Huh. Yeah, that's a really good trait to have, curiosity. Um, so were there any like major instances where you kind of like um, lashed back at authority that um, kind of stand out? Uh, there was a few. I was told in sixth grade I was no longer allowed to ask any questions by one teacher. What? Yeah, because it was too much of a distraction. She said I was always trying to stump her. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, that's partially true. Because I was so bored in school, I had to keep myself entertained. Yeah. So I would ask, questions that weren't necessarily like relevant or they were a little outside the box that would stump them and then they'd get upset Uh because I'd get them off on a tangent then they'd get behind on their lesson plan yeah I can definitely see how that could be troublesome especially when there's so many people in the classroom yeah because everyone learns at a different pace and if I already knew it and I didn't you know, I was, and some kids hadn't picked it up yet, I was hurting them. Yeah. Um, in but regards it was fun to like me. how you were raised, huh? Go on. It was fun for me. Um, in regards to like how you were raised, like, um, do you think you got any like family uh, values and traits from like uh, how your parents raised you? Yo, without a doubt. My parents probably started 20 different companies when I was a kid. 
Wow. Um, some were successes, some were failures, some were break-evens, um, some were heartaches, some were really fun. So sitting around the table, them talking about things, that's how I learned about finding the things I'm good at and then finding people to do the things I'm not good at. Nice. Because they founded companies and they were never the CEO. They would hire CEOs and CFOs and COOs and then they would take care of marketing and sales for the most part. That's a simplified version of it, but yeah. That's really interesting, especially since they didn't put themselves into the top leader role. I I think my dad did that once, and it, he didn't like it, so he stepped uh-huh. down maybe a year, a year and a half later, and they hired a new CEO. Interesting. He knew he wasn't good at that, and he didn't like doing it, so he he would revert back to sales and marketing and lead those people. Huh. That's an interesting way to do things. Um, so in regards to, uh, like, those companies, were most of them successful? Out of the, let's say they did 20, because I can't be sure of the number. I'd say yeah. 10 were successful, 5 were failures, and 5 were break-even. That's um, pretty good odds. Well, they... So they would build companies on top of previous companies or make like sister companies to the previous company. So you kind of have clientele built in or you have those lists already uh-huh. to go contact people. So if you're in banking, you then move into mortgage banking and then commercial lending. You know what I mean? Like they, and not that it means it's easy because it's not easy to start any company. No, it's definitely really hard. And I'm sure you know because you started your own. <laughs> yeah, it's never hard. If it were easy, everyone would do it. That's very true. I think nowadays a lot of people are really trying to move into entrepreneurship, and it's kind of becoming a craze where like everyone's really trying to step in and do something. But then um, I think it's people aren't really realizing how hard it is to actually run a business until they actually do it. Then they're like, wow, this is kind of more than I expected it to be. Oh, that's without a doubt. I had no idea how much stuff I was going to have to do as being the owner of a company. I was online yesterday with the state of Alaska for an hour and a half filling out paperwork to be licensed in the state of Alaska in order to do business there. That's crazy. Uh, who, who thinks they're going to have to do that? And you've got to do that for every state you do business in. So for every single state you do transcriptions and you have to be on the phone for like an hour, hour and a half with each of them. That Alaska was different. Theirs was more confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I, I do, I renew my Arkansas one every year, and I can fly through that. It's much more simplified. Alaska just oh. happened to be really confusing, and their, their terminology is different than the other states we've done this same paperwork for. So, yeah. But the little things like that that you don't think you're going to have to do as a business owner because you don't know. You've never owned a business and done things in other states. that just come up, and you're like, oh, I have to do it because no one else is going to do it. 
Yeah, and there's so many different moving parts to a business too, and like one thing could like completely toss you off. Yeah, it can mess up your whole day. Yeah. And then I go home and work till ten o'clock at night, or you go home and work till ten o'clock at night to make up for a four hour thing that got you sidetracked. Yeah, it's not fun. Like, I, I mean, I've tried building a lot of different businesses in the past. I'm like, oh, wow, there's this new thing, there's new this new thing. And you kind of think you predict all the, like, moving factors beforehand, but something always comes out of left field, and you're like, wow, what in the world is this? Yeah, that happens quite a bit. I mean, little ones during the day, during the week, and then big ones, they totally get you. Yeah, it's, but it's fun. It's a challenge to get it all done, too, before you go to bed. You know, at least that's the way I see it. That's true. It is pretty fun to really go out there and do these different things because, I mean, without a challenge, then it'd be basically like, why don't you just get a job, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, anybody can go get a job and work in a cube and just do whatever every day and go home and forget about it. Yeah, So what do you think is like one of the biggest reasons you wanted to be an entrepreneur as opposed to like an employee sitting in the cube? Kind of going back to the authority thing. Um, I don't like being told what to do. Mm-hmm. And even if I make bad decisions, I learn from them and don't do them again. But at least I made the decision and it's on me. Yeah. I'm not sitting there watching a boss make a decision that I don't agree with. That makes sense. So basically it's for that sense of freedom, being able to go out there and do what you want to do, not be told what to do, and kind of take full responsibility of everything going on. Yeah, exactly. And nice. I, I'm also kind of looking at it as I am buying my freedom for down the road once this is created enough passive income and I don't have to go to work every day and I can travel more play more tennis things like that how long do you think that's going to take you? Uh, probably three or four more years that's uh, not four bad yeah, that, that's, it's three yeah. is the stretch goal, four is the reasonable goal. Nice. I mean, that would be pretty awesome, just going out there for 10, 11 years and working at something. Then for basically the rest of your life, you don't have to work because the passive income comes in. I will still work. Because <laughs> I get bored. I mean, I go on vacation and I still work while I'm on vacation because I get so bored. Yeah. And I know there's things I could be doing to help my clients, my employees, and just to keep my brain active. You can only stay on the beach for so long. Yeah, I think you could sit there for about 48 hours, then it's like, uh, I need something else to do. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I feel. And then you work for a day, and then you can go back outside for a day, and then, yeah. Yeah, it's all about really keeping that balance and that schedule together. 
yeah, in mine, I just, I get bored easy. And I know some people are not like that, but I, I do get bored really easily. That's true. Well, it looks like it's about time for our next commercial break. Uh, you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And where can you find you again? Benjamin K. Walker on Twitter. Perfect. And we'll be back after this commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, Leonard Kim back here with Ben Walker. If you've listened to the first portion of the segment... We really got over the transcription industry and how that works. Then in the next segment, we really went over uh, Ben's early life and what really drove him into uh, getting to where he is today. Uh, In this next segment, what we're really going to talk about is kind of like the transition through the different jobs and roles and everything that really um, led him to what he's currently doing. Um, Maybe what we could do is start out with college. What was college like for you, Ben? Our college was really fun. <laughs> I, I probably didn't go to class as much as I should have. Actually, I'm pretty sure I didn't. Um, <laughs> because I didn't know, you know, kind of what I wanted. And I'd always been under the impression that college, anyone can go to college. And then it's what you do after that. You just need the certificate yeah. or the diploma. 
which is probably the wrong approach to take. I would not tell anybody that now. <laughs> you need to go to class and study because it helps form a work ethic that I missed out on. Mm-hmm. And I didn't start really doing that till my early 30s. So I feel like I kind of wasted 10 years hmm. um, flying by the seat of my pants. But I did have a lot of fun in college. I went to a lot of parties. Nice. What was your best party? Oh, man. Um, I was a pledge in a fraternity, and I remember heaven parties, which were Wednesday nights. Um, our fraternity house was four stories tall and heaven was the, the top story and they would have a party every Wednesday. Those were really fun. Nice. Uh, what kind of jobs did you have? Did you have like any jobs in like high school or did you like do anything interesting like sell candy door to door or something like that? I had a few jobs in high school. I didn't sell candy door to door. I don't think I ever did that. Um, I worked in a warehouse helping ship the membership benefits you would get through credit cards. So when the credit card company calls you and says, Leonard, we noticed that you like to shop at Costco, we can sell you the Costco membership for a discounted rate if you charge it to your Visa right now. And I worked at a company that shipped those membership cards out on a monthly basis. So we were, we were probably, and and I'm Costco is just an example. They had hundreds of memberships because they had partnerships with banks all over the country. Yeah. Uh, We sent, I don't know, a million pieces of mail a month. So it was pretty active. It was a big warehouse with forklifts and mail being stuffed by people and by machines. And that, uh, me and one of my coworkers, there were two of us for a while. We made it so efficient, we only worked four hours a day. That's pretty awesome. So you got to, like, hang out for the rest of the time? Yeah, but we got so bored, we started cleaning the warehouse. Like, the <laughs> warehouse was ungodly clean. <coughs> That's uh, hilarious. Yeah, the, the, our manager couldn't believe how clean it was. He's like, you could eat off the floors in here. And we're like, yeah, you could. It was a 25,000 square foot warehouse and it was immaculate. That's crazy. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone going the extra mile to clean the place. Like when I worked at Knott's Berry Farm, my job was to pick up trash, bust tables, and clean bathrooms. And ever since that, I didn't want to clean anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were so bored, we had nothing to do. Like, we didn't have a TV, we had a radio. That was it. We didn't have internet back there because they didn't want us messing around on the internet. Yeah, that that sounds like it could be pretty boring. Yeah, we. I probably it was, clean too. It was it was fun at the same time. We learned how to do a lot of different stuff, and we weren't allowed to use the forklift. So that, I mean, we got pretty in shape. The carrying 40 and 50 pound boxes up and down these movable stairs up onto the shelves that were higher because none of us were or neither one of us were OSHA certified to drive the forklift so we had to carry the boxes from the pallets up onto pallets that were on the shelves. 
That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> it was. It was mindless, though. Yeah. Were there any other interesting jobs you had? Uh, working in a, I, I, they called it a factory, but it wasn't a factory. So this company bought bales of used clothing from Salvation Army and Goodwill and all kinds of different organizations. Those bales of clothes would then be lifted into the air by this um, elevator and dropped onto these conveyor belts where people would start pulling them apart. So shirts went one way, pants went the one way. Then on the next level down, the pants were split into shorts and pants. Then the next level down was nice pants, jeans, like terrible pants that need to be turned into rags, shorts that were nice, shorts that weren't nice, and it kept getting more and more split up. Huh. And it would end up in big oil drum barrels full of like clothes, like really nice long sleeve men's shirts. Then those clothes would be put into these huge bins that clients would then come to Omaha and literally pick through the stuff and buy them. Huh. And it, there were clients from all over the world. So the clients from Australia, Japan, England, uh, the Netherlands, Canada, Mexico, they would come and go through these bins for the clothes they were looking for. Like in Japan, they were really into vintage U.S. clothing. Uh-huh. So they wanted old Levi's and old Nike shirts, um, little kids' clothes like Oshkosh, and they would pay $500 for these little tiny pair of jeans for like a one-year-old. What? Yeah. It's crazy. That's insane. That that job was really interesting because there were people from all over the world that came in. And then there were their orders would come in from like Argentina, and they would say, "We need ten thousand pounds of summer clothes, boys and girls, teenagers." So then they'd go get those giant bins and just dump them into. They had their own bailing machines that would bail all the clothes up, and then they'd put it into the railroad car thing that would go back on the back of a semi, then to a railroad, then to a boat, then to Argentina. And that big container would end up in Buenos Aires in a warehouse, and they would unpack it and, you know, put it into their stores. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that job was fun. It it Just all the different moving parts, and they went through a million pounds. They sorted a million pounds of clothes a week. That's a lot of clothes. Oh, my God, it was tons. There was so, there were clothes everywhere, and the, it was so dusty and dirty in there. Uh huh. Because the clothes were dirty, so that would all get into the air as it was moving through the conveyor belts and being thrown around and stuff. All the whatever was on the clothes was in the air. So how did the clothes move from one conveyor belt to another? Did someone like sit on the assembly line and like switch them out, or? They had little slides that would go down, like these metal slides. Huh. So people would grab the shirt and push it toward the slide that it needed to go down. So long sleeves and short sleeves, had there were just two slides for that. 
long sleeves uh. down one, short sleeves down the, another. And then below that, the people that had the short sleeves would then pick through them, collared, short sleeves, not collared, ripped, not ripped, you know, and then they would sort it. And it, I think there were four layers of the conveyor uh. belt system. It's probably 30 feet in the air. That's pretty high. That's a really interesting system, and that must have been, like, fascinating to really see how it all works. It was, because you saw, like, if you go to a Goodwill, just walk in there and see the clothes. When they don't sell those, they sell them to companies like that that then, in turn, pull it all apart and repackage it to then sell all over the world. Huh. That's why when you see pictures of, you know, unrest in, in uh, Turkey or Syria, they have clothes on from the U.S. It just all gets funneled through the system. Yeah, and resold. Yeah, nice. People, are, they're making money off, you know, there's significant money involved. Yeah, that's kind of insane how that all works. Was there another job that you found pretty interesting, too? Um, I didn't mind landscaping because I was outside all day with buddies. It nice. was difficult manual labor. Uh-huh. But we kind of farted around and had a good time. You know, <laughs> normally, <laughs> the people that are landscaping usually have nice yards. And mm-hmm. some of them have pools and you know, we go swimming in their pool when they're not home. and <laughs> That sounds pretty awesome. You got to pretty much do whatever you want in their backyard. <laughs> yeah, we just had to make sure the project got done on time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's always important, too. Yeah, we made it fun, and we would try to get things done as quickly as we could so we could go swimming or go to, go play golf or you know, take a nap in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun because it was me and five buddies that, you know, we all went to college across the country and then went back to Omaha to work during the summer. So we mm-hmm. stayed in touch a little during the school year, but then we were back together. And you know, I'm still friends with three of those guys for sure that I talk to routinely and it's been 15 or 20 years. That's pretty awesome that you're still in touch with them. Most people lose contact of their um, close friends back in like college and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the Midwestern thing, though. You know, I, and like I said before, I grew up in Omaha, and I still have quite a quite a few friends from Omaha and high school, and believe it or not, grade school. Nice. Yeah, it's always always good to keep friends close. Yeah, we know each other pretty well, and loyalty. You know, if they need something, and I can help them, I'll I'll do it, and vice versa. Yeah, I, I think the philosophy on life should really be going out there and making sure that you have each other's back, and going out there and helping and elevating each other up, so everyone can really reach success together. Yeah, take the village, right? Yep, exactly. Like, no one could just go out there and really do it alone. No, it's really hard to do it on your own. 
Yeah, it is. How about so you, Leonard? Learning. Tell us about one of your favorite jobs. My, one of my favorite jobs? Let's see. I yeah. can tell you about my least favorite job. Okay. Okay. So I was sitting around. I was working at this place called Telefund, and what they do is they raise money for, like, the Democratic National Committee, ASPCA, um, PETA, like, all these, like, charitable organizations and everything. And at the time, like, I didn't believe in, like, anything, really. And I'm like, yeah, just calling people and asking them for money. I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, horrible. Like, you have to sound so convincing. You have no idea if you even believe in this thing or not. And you're just calling people and going, hey, can you donate $250 to this cause? Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. I'm not good at cold calling either. Yeah, it wasn't fun at all. And it was on, like, an auto-dollar system. So once it hung up one call, it would be on to the next, on to the next. So you'd have to talk to, like, all these different people and then basically just read the script and it was pretty horrible. <laughs> yeah, I have a question, a follow-up to that. How do I get off those auto-dialer lists? They call my office, oh, 10 or 15 times a day. Uh, officially, I don't think, I mean, there's the, you could go and register for the do not call list, but I think people still call you if you're on that. So officially, I don't think there's really a way to get off it completely. Because I was someone you can call some... you from outside the country and set up their phone system to be like calling from like India or like Taiwan or like Thailand or something or Vietnam. And you're still getting the call, but then it's not breaking any rules because it's an international call. Okay. I was hoping you had some insider knowledge that you could press like star 843 and they'd never call you again. <laughs> I wish I had that information. <laughs> um, we're about to close out uh, for the radio show and everything. Um, do you have a website and some information that you can share with uh, everyone so they could really figure out like how to get your services and where to uh, really uh, get in touch with you? Sure. You can go to www.transcription outsourcing.net and you'll find our contact us form in the top right in the static bar and our phone number's up there too again we're in Denver we're open from 7am till 5pm Monday through Friday awesome and you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim thank you so much for tuning in today and being on the show as well and we'll see you next week on Go Your Influence Street thank you Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.